once again for our eighth installment of our one and maybe only weekly show review, where myself and the Yestin Reese to my Kip Sabian, Simon Cross, discuss the ITV primetime Saturday afternoon World of Sport Wrestling comeback. We have two episodes left after this one, Simon. How do you think things are going so far? Uh, I think it's all summed up perfectly by the fact that you use that exact same um, such and such to my such and such last week. Well, I mean, I, I don't really have an issue with a, a smaller roster. I think if you've only got an, 10 hours of TV, you can't really cram in 32, 40, however many people are on an active Raw or SmackDown roster anyway. Um, I think it's more than that for an active Raw and SmackDown roster. Exactly. Speaks volumes. Yeah. Um, like I said, that's, that's the nature of the boost. If anything, I think they could have actually reduced the numbers a little bit more to allow what is our constant bugbear of this show op- more time for the people actually, the actual wrestlers to convey their characters, have interesting pre- and post-match angles, and more time for their matches. Because yet again, this episode is four ep- four matches, four segments. Four segments. Um, probably the long, some of the longest up. matches I think probably took place this episode because at least one felt, and maybe that's a negative in a weird way, felt like the longest match we've had so far. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll move through and we'll see which one you're referring to. I'm intrigued at that. Yes. Okay. So the episode starts with a recap of last week, which saw Adam Maxted defeat Nathan Cruz to end their long, bitter, one-week-long feud and win the loser leaves town ladder match that sent one of the most uh, main event-ready, prime-time-ready wrestlers on the roster out of the promotion. One can only assume for good. Uh, if they're people of honour that will stand by their stipulations. Well, he said he wouldn't, so... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Also, Grado lost a match to Martin Kirby, but he did get to put a sweaty toothbrush in his mouth. So, who's the real winner here? The answer? The viewer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, now we come up to our first match of the episode, although Stu Bennett does announce that he will have a big announcement at the end of the episode, so stay tuned for that. Um, our first match is Viper against Aisha in a number one contenders match for the women's title. Both uh, Aisha made her debut in the entire roster, the entire women's roster five woman battle royal. Uh, That's when she sort of ago. introduced herself to the roster as well, just out of the blue. Uh, she appeared the week before that, and the key rivalry had been set up between these two women because they're. The two larger members of the female roster, the other three women in the promotion, B Priestley, um, uh, Kaylee Ray, and the fifth one. I've been got... meaning to ask you something about that, mm-hmm. um, to be brutally honest, because they obviously, you're right, they are doing these as the two powerhouses of the division. Now, I've got to be very careful that I don't get us into a lot of trouble You're going here. to start body shaming people here. Simon. Not body shaming, but it just seems that Viper's got so much more mass um, than Aisha. So Aisha's quite wiry. I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to, in my head, I'm like, these are meant to be two powerhouses. I, I just can't buy Aisha as a powerhouse. Mm. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying anything in a negative way. It's just... She's a great athlete, better athlete than I am, um, mm. hands down. 
but it's 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 hard to convey wiry strength as like powerhouse strength. That's my point. Well, also, I think the key issue that I found with Aisha in both of the matches that I've seen her in is that she looks um, no. still early into her wrestling career. There are a couple of moments where she seemed to be awkwardly positioned. There was a moment where they were running the ropes, but they were sort of running at a right angle to one another. Um, that might have been intentional, but it looked awkward. Um, Viper, I don't think Viper is... As, I think it's a similar problem, actually, that they have in the WWE with Nia Jax, that these people are supposed to be powerhouses. I'm not sure they're actually that strong. Like, she had troubles trying to do a powerbomb in the um, Battle Royal, and that kind of followed through in this match. Though, So they sort of... I think they intentionally teased her doing a power move on Viper, but never really doing any that I can recall... No, and the flow of the match was a bit weird for me, considering these are meant to be like the two powerhouses of the division. Mm. Very one-sided. Yeah, Viper was very dominant in the whole thing, and I wonder how much of that is because they want to put Viper over strong, which is understandable since, you know, this isn't going to be a spoiler warning. If you've watched this, we're, we're going to run down the results. She does win the match. How much of that is that just they don't trust Aisha yet to do a lot of moves <laughs> that wouldn't end up hurting Viper? Um, I don't know if that's the case. I I think because I that they are using the edit somewhat to like sort of mask um flaws. Although we pointed out last week, sometimes they're just leaving the flaws in. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think it's a safety thing. I think it's like a story. I honestly think it was a poor storyline decision. I don't think they made like a tactical switch to put Viper back in. Because I feel like Viper versus Kaylee Ray is something we've seen before. Well, yeah. I mean, Viper was the person that Kaylee Ray pinned in the decider for the title in the second episode. The worst edited wrestling match I've seen in my life. And then she was the last person eliminated, but she was still eliminated by Kaylee Ray in the Battle Royal. Yeah. So she's had her chances, you know. Yeah, there's there's nothing fresh coming no. out of this. No, that's why you think they'd want to do the Viper match and then do the Battle Royal to end the series. Yeah, or if if we are where we are with it, maybe Aisha should have won this match. Just to give us something a bit fresher than the division. Yeah. It's difficult when your division's only five people like big. But yeah, one, one last thing I noticed, actually, was when Viper hit the Michinoku driver to win the match... Um, Aisha did get up pretty quickly afterwards and was still running her mouth off. Like, yeah. you, you can't beat me. She just did. <laughs> I thought it was a very odd choice. Yeah. You know, if you're going to keep her strong, then have Viper cheat to win the match or something like that. Yeah, or just a bit more, like, or hit something a bit more brutal to win the match. I mean, not that a Michinoku driver's not a well, brutal. I think a Michinoku driver's meant to be a finisher, isn't it? Mm. I think that's how she won a match in the May Young Classic. But do you know what I mean? It was just flat. Mm. The whole match just seemed flat. Yeah, it was. It wasn't. I don't think it was awful, but I don't think it was. It got above great. I think whatever worked was down to Viper. Uh, no, I think it was just there. cruising in third gear. Mm. I would say. Mm. Anyway, I think. I think. Although I think the non-wrestling fan would be fairly impressed by what they saw. I think someone that just doesn't know much about wrestling would be impressed by the uh, athleticism of Viper in particular. Um, yeah, and and you know it's not a, it's not a freak show to make no. say something even more uh, you know, uh, but it, I think when people think of uh, 
wrestling. They like to think of larger than life characters, and to see two women that are in some form or another larger than what you would expect in either personality or stature or size or whatever. Yeah. Uh, putting on an athletic display that in parts does did look very impressive. I think I think this is the sort of match that you know the old British wrestlers, the British wrestling fans that are nostalgic for the days of giant haystacks and um, uh, Big Daddy, but also like how I said last week, the ones that loved the old Les Kellett stuff probably really enjoyed the Grado Martin Kirby match. I think yeah, this is the sort of thing that a non wrestling fan probably enjoys a lot. I remember like reading a John Ronson article when he went to watch a wrestling match and him saying how much he was enjoying the great Carly versus Kane or something like that. that was the thing that really caught his attention because of these, you know, unusual sized men, sized people. Um, anyway, so that's enough of us being horrible male chauvinist pigs. <laughs> um, I... Also, I will say that um, we did get Viper getting a bit of a backstage interview, a very brief interview. Yeah, I remember I asked you last week if a woman would be allowed to speak into a microphone other than SoCal Val before the end of the series, and I guess I was proven wrong. Um, she didn't say much, but the fact that she said it, I felt, was a, a minor victory. Yeah, I, I do have a minor quibble with that. Um, in modern entertainment, not this is not just exclusive to wrestling. In modern entertainment, there seems to be a new phenomena called overlabeling. Mm. It's like we've got to emphasise exactly what is happening at all times because we believe the viewer doesn't have the attention span to keep up with the subtleties of our plot. Mm. Um, and Viper says, "Oh, I'm one step closer. I'm going to take the title of Kaylee Ray." Boom. When Rachel just goes at the end, she means business. That stepped into overlabeling for me. Like, I, you know I what? didn't mind that. I didn't mind it. I don't know. For me, it's just like, oh, we must always make it obvious what we're saying all the time. You're not allowed to think for yourself because we don't trust you to think for yourself of the story. I really think that's that's nitpicking, in all honesty, in my opinion there. I don't Maybe it's a bugbear because I, I see it in other forms of entertainment and it's creeping into wrestling. They make, they make a summation of things. That's what me and Gene would often make a summation of what's just been said in the interview backstage. You know, well, he certainly means business tonight, ladies and gentlemen. You know, it's just it's the way it goes. I don't think, you know. Well, I, I don't know. To me, it just stuck out as a, just a little bit of overstating was... the obvious. I was, just del- I was just delighted to see a woman get to have a microphone. Oh, yeah. Uh, and get Viper to, getting co- to have a, her voice amplified on this episode. Yeah, and Viper, <laughs> for, for the time she had, made a pretty good, like, most of it. She spilled through quickly what she had to say, yeah. why, 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 why what she did was important, and what she's going to do next. But so, Viper made use of the time. So we go from one match featuring two women to another match featuring two women, but in the first, well, they call it intergender, but I think it's supposed to be. My understanding of it was, if it's a mixed match, that means when the men tag the women, the women are involved. When the women tag the men, the men are involved. But intergender match is where a man can face off against a woman. Yeah, that's the WWE definition. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, well, if, you know, they, they like to copy the WWE with holding briefcases and the like, so why not keep, you know, that's just how I, that's how I've always read intergender versus mix, and they did describe it as an intergender match, but at yeah. least one point they made a key, they made it clear that when a wo- one woman tags a man, then both men have to come in. Anyway, yeah. another thing they said, this is a match about real life couples, and this was something I remember you saying was a problem that you had early on. Why say real life? Within the context of the show, everything that's happening is real life. Yeah. 
So don't pull the curtain back for the, the sake of it. I'm like, cool, you've got something great and organic. Yeah. Just say they're couples. Yeah. Real like... real life doesn't need to enter the equation here. Yeah, it would be like in the middle of a film with um I'm trying to think of one where the married couple are still together. This is Hollywood we're talking about here. Uh, but let's say during Eyes Wide Shut, someone saying, God, not only are your characters a couple, but in real life, outside of this movie, you're a couple as well. Yeah. Inside of the world, we've just spent all this money to go in to immerse yourself in. By the way, I want to take you out of it to let you know that this thing's happening outside of it. Also, I just think it would have been, again, another one of those things. Just, I wish they'd just done some sort of pre-match sit-down chat with both couples. Just talking about what they do together on, like they train, they work together. Just little things that allow us to understand what they are. Because also the dynamic in this match that I think could have really been emphasised, and it was there a little bit, but I don't really remember the commentators talking too much about it, was that Stevie Boy and Will Ospreay were engaging in sort of a friendly competition. They shook hands at one point during the match. Yeah. They did like a standoff. Whereas B Priestley and Kaylee Ray were a lot more... Hated each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that could have been really... Again, you could have done that with the pre-match promos. Because, again, within the context of, of WOS, B Priestley is a heel, Will Ospreay is a face, and Stevie Boy and Kaylee Ray are both faces. Yeah. So, you know, you either need to make B Priestley a face or Will Ospreay a heel, or you need to make something from that. Why is a good guy going out with a bad girl? Yeah. <laughs> Like we could just do something like, oh, we don't always see eye to eye on like methodology, but like you know, we respect yeah. each other's performers. Yeah, it's a weird thing. It's kind of like, like, I mean, it would make more sense if it was a heel male and a and a face female, because then you've got the classic, oh, you don't know what he's like with just me and all that sort of stuff, which I yeah. guess you could do. You could well, I suppose you could do it, you could do it that way, like either way round. You know, yeah, you could, but you know, the stereotype stereotypical storyline that the, the general public would probably engage with more is usually that being the man. Being a bit of a dick and the woman, you know, whatever. I don't know. Hey, can hashtag feminism. Hashtag women can be dicks too. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't have to have a dick to be a man. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I keep out of that <laughs> where, whole thing. Where are you going? I have no idea. Um, It's Posh and Bex against Jay-Z and Beyonce. Uh, don't know. Don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the match was good. The match was very well wrestled. Very one good. Of better, one of the better matches on the on the in the series so far. Uh, there was one little bit that bothered me when Will Os- when Osprey and, and Stevie Ray did Stevie Boy Stevie Ray Stevie Boy did the top rope Hurricane Rana spot. Oh, the counter. Where no, it wasn't actually the counter. It was the Hurricane Rana itself because um, Stevie Boy basically both of his legs were on one of Osprey's shoulders. So there was no logical momentum reason for Osprey to go over, unless it was just he does. Basically, he did a standing somersault, which yeah, you know, it's it's a very minor nitpick. But again, it's something that the cameras could have easily masked. I, masked, I would have thought a lot easier. Yeah, um, but that it's was a good really spot cool. that because I didn't pick up on that. I yeah, thought again. the awkward spot you were going to say. Uh, there's a moment where uh, Stevie Boy and Osprey have been cleared out the ring, yes. and like the women are cleared out the ring. They then climb up onto the ropes, um, climb into the ring, like facing each other off, and then they leave the ring to fight. Well, I think what the referee was, I think what the story was, but the commentators didn't make it clear. Was the referee saying you're not the legal participants in the match? You can't wrestle in the ring. Yeah, and obviously they usually ignore that. They ignored it for most of the match, really, by the second half. So instead, the women just went outside and started fighting each other on the outside. 
Like, okay. they weren't the legal participants, so the referee couldn't make a count if either of them had gone for a pin or whatever. So but, I what I think they should have just... Like, the commentators it's... didn't make it clear, and it was a weird adhering yeah. to the rules, and it was done in a very awkward, like, really long-winded kind of way. It was only, like, five seconds, but that five seconds can feel like an eternity. Yeah. You're just wondering, why are they standing there? Yeah. Um... What they should have done, in my, in my head, they should have just met in the middle of the ring, just started wailing on each other. And then, like, if they're wailing on each other and end up, like, spilling out of the ring, mm. that's a more natural flow. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, yeah. the ref can start counting, and then that gives them the aud- us the audience the audio prompt that oh okay they're not the legal participants, yeah. and the wrestlers themselves so they can you know plan accordingly. Yeah. So the match ends with Osprey and um, B. Priestley winning. Um, right, I, I like the um, tie up the Kaylee Kaylee Ray take her out the UK. Yeah, I'm always Rachel. a fan of that. I always love that. You know, the the other teammate being held back or like. The double submission spots that, like, I remember that was like the payoff to the DIY revival feud and all that sort of stuff. I'm always a fan of those yeah. spots, and I was just—I was mostly a fan of the match. It was a—it was a good match. Um, on to another pretty good match, and what this is the match that I thought felt like it might be the longest match on the show, uh, maybe because it told quite a long story within the context of the match itself. Yeah, uh, which was British Bulldog Junior facing off against Yestin Reese, uh, one half of the tag team champions. Um, again, not much more to say. It was a decently wrestled match. It was kind of like one of those matches you get in the old uh, WWF uh, compilation Coliseum home video tapes. You know, they tape a couple of matches from house uh, from a TV taping specifically for a video VHS release or something like that. Yeah, fairly simple, no nonsense. Made Reese look decent. Um, Reese looked very good, I thought actually. Uh, when he hit a spear, I thought, wow, if he wins this match, he's been pretty dominant in the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and maybe Bulldog had just been brought in for this series to put over the UK talent because he'd already lost to Rampage and had lost to um, Sabian and Reese in the tag... Not Sabian and Reese, sorry, uh, Cruz and Max Dead in the tag team tournament. I thought maybe he's just there to put people over. I was, uh, and But he did win in the end uh, with a modified power slam, which I think was supposed to pay, play into the fact that... It was he meant to be a running one, but he didn't get a lot of momentum Yeah, he only got a couple of steps and he didn't have him like scooped over the shoulder with his arm yeah. wrapped above him. He was it was basically in a sort of a body slam position, but he followed through with the power slam. Um, but I, again, I think that might have been the story is that he's had to adapt because he's got such a hurt shoulder from the... Uh, yeah, it made logical match. sense. Yeah. Uh, Kip Sabian didn't really get involved at all. Uh, there's one bit of him look, checking his reflection out in the championship in the title. belt. Yeah. Um, I, I'm also interested, but I don't know if we talked about it much, the, the, the belt design for the tag team belt, the sort of diamond... Shape and the the the, um, the the side plates are actually diamond shaped as well. I uh, like it. Yeah, it's it's different, uh, and also the red and and I like that it's different colours for the uh, backgrounds of each belt. So yeah. the, the the male singles titles are sort of blue. navy blue. Yeah. The tag teams red, red and the women's is white. Yeah. I will say what let this match down. Uh, I don't mean to keep doing this, but it was more prevalent than it has been in other matches, was the camera cuts. Um, When Davy Boy was selling one move, so this is from him getting hit by the move and getting Mm. up back to a vertical base, there were four camera cuts. Yeah, one sell of a move at one point. And some of them didn't seem to be, like, to cut to get rid of, like, 30 seconds of the match. It was just... 
It was very odd. I don't quite understand the logic behind some of these camera cuts to the crowd. You mentioned a couple of weeks ago that it's like sometimes they just spam the button or they've got yeah, a certain Yeah, amount. like that, random number generator of whatever camera they're going to. That This felt very much like that. And also, I mean, one of the theories that I'd had was that there were particularly aggressive moves or, like, moves that involved the, the throat hitting the ropes or a throat attack. Yeah, like the... Uh... But I think I saw at least one move where the throat did hit the ropes or something like that. Yeah, because there was a big the cutaway in the previous match where Priestley hits Kelly Ray with, like, a boot onto the rope. Yeah, but they, they did include a match. I don't even know if it was in this match, but there was another match I saw that did involve a throat attack that we saw on screen. So I can't understand it still. I sort of gave them an hour, but I don't think it was actually a correct one. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um... so Bulldog wins. Um, I would assume this is setting up in the final episode, Bulldog and Grado challenging for the tag titles. Yeah, they do seem to be taking like Bulldog out of the uh, heavyweight title equation, don't they, really? I mean, um... well, he seems to be like a, um, a special attraction. Yeah. Anyways, he's booked kind of like The Undertaker or Andre the Giant or something like that. Which is not a bad Sort of like what Osprey is. Yes. Or sort of. Because Osprey's or... not been plugged into a proper storyline yet, barring yeah, this. Osprey's been there almost like an exhibition. Yeah. Um, um, but no one's really been booked into storylines outside of Justin Sizem and Rampage's um, posse and Martin Kirby's feud with Joe Hendry. And, and maybe Viper and Kaylee Ray. Not like, really. Kaylee Ray overcoming the odds a little. Not yeah, but not not entirely. Again, but that's not oh, and with any with any angles or anything. Yeah, I guess Crater. Crater and Gabriel Kid yeah. and his boss. Well, but the focus has now switched from Gabriel Kid to Robbie X, who I think has been as close to a breakout star on this show. For anyone, I'm like, I don't recall him being booked in promotions like Progress or Rev Pro or ICW or any of the bigger UK names, Preston City Wrestling. Maybe he is, I don't have an expert knowledge in those shows, uh, in those promotions. But I can imagine him getting more bookings as a result of his work on this show. And so he should. Yeah. What's really annoying about this is we learn at the start of the show, he mentions, oh, there's a mask versus match. Mask match later. But doesn't mention the participants. But we, you know, your logic decrees. There's only two mass wrestlers that we've I seen. Thought it did. I couldn't have. Yeah, I remember. Not, the, the, first not in the I first one. You said mass like versus match. Yeah. Then there's the second bit, which is the graphic, which is midway oh, okay. through the previous match. Um, this a mass versus set up mass last... match is meant to be like a really, really big thing, mm. and yet it's never mentioned before that they're going to do this prior to this episode. There's no promotion no. of this except within this, like. You're, if you're seeing the mask versus mask match, you are watching the show already. You're not bringing in fresh eyes by saying next week we've got a mask versus mask match. There's no hook from one episode to this episode. Well, I, think maybe, I think maybe one of the problems. Well, they did sort of set it up because um, Crater went for went Robbie for X's the mask, mask in yeah. the post match, but and then, then got held off by the security team of one. Yeah, um, but then <laughs> this is this is the reverse of what I was talking about with Rachel and Viper earlier, you've then underlabeled it. You've gone, okay, this happened. Mm. What's the consequence of this? All you had to do was Bennett going, oh, if you want his mask, you're going to have to have it in a mask versus mask match. Like, and Bennett just like, and then it's obvious that the promoter just wants more money out of what creator's motivation. It's simple. It's simply done. But they didn't do it. Mm. You see what I mean? They're, they're shooting themselves in the foot by just not going, 
next week we're going to have this. Bang! Just mask versus mask. Yeah. Well, talking about shooting themselves in the foot, Crater lost again. Um, <laughs> but we don't see his face. No, we don't see his face at all. So not what's the point? You couldn't freeze it. And it wasn't a case of loser continues to not wear their mask. Yeah, it was just to win the mask. mask you took. It was basically the masked wrestler equivalent of a bra and panties match. Yeah, oh. I thought that would get a bigger laugh than that. <laughs> oh, oh, well, you've got a grimaced face, Lord. Yeah. I've got images. In, in a way, it's a match that can. It doesn't hurt Crater as much because he doesn't get pinned, and Robbie X just essentially used his quickness to get one up on him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that but within itself still, is I just fine. don't see how Crater losing twice helps matters. Because my guess is that he's going to be presented as the monster in the match tomorrow, uh, next week, sorry. Yeah. The, the, well, they sort of give that away this. with yeah. their next week thing where they show him in the ring surrounded by all the wrestlers. Yes, because this is what... So do you have anything left to say about the match? You know, uh, I just don't see the logic behind it. Nope. I'm really annoyed at the lack of pre-promotion of it. Um, I'm glad that Robbie X has made a name for himself on this series. Yeah, Robbie X has come out of this well. Uh, I'm annoyed that if we're going to have his mask, because we, we see that next week he keeps his mask. Mm. That, so that's already gone, that yeah. that little surprise feature. Um, they're, trying, the they're trying to do, because they mentioned Big Daddy and Kendo Nagasaki, so they're trying to recreate the classic moments, but they don't want to do all the hard work to get there. Yeah, hype it. Mask yeah. versus match is meant to be important. Like in, um, say what he wants, you know, he wants to in Mexico, he wants to humanize Crater. He wants to show that he is, you know, yeah. fallible. He's just a human and that that mask allows him a certain amount of mystique, uh, mystique and he's going to try and take that mystique away. Whereas you can say that his mask cuz it's the saltier mask, you can say it's part of his national pride and everything. Yeah. Just these sort of things that give you emotional investment and they don't bother with. Yeah. Why should I have cared about that match? Like, you know what I mean? And then in Japan and in, in Mexico, in mass well, in Mexico, mass versus mask match is bigger than a title match. Yeah, and they keep the the winner keeps said mask. That's like a trophy, sports trophy usually. Or they do what they wish with it. It's the winner's choice what happens to the mask. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the loser doesn't get to take his mask back mm. unless you're Rey Mysterio. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was the show. It was it was actually a pretty decent episode. I thought one of the better episodes overall because they have four. Matches that didn't go any worse than uh, middling. <laughs> in ring, in ring. Yes, you're right. It was a good episode. Storyline wise, it was terrible. No. So, so Stu Bennett announces that there's going to be a match involving the entire men's roster for a world title shot. So I would assume that means that Rampage isn't actually involved in the match. Maybe they'll put him in the commentary booth or something. And he says it's an entirely unique match, but he doesn't give the match any kind of name or anything. And like you say, with the preview, it suggests to me that it's going to be like a Royal Rumble. Well, he says 16 of... men start. I don't know if they all start in the ring or... Well, like you said, there was just um, Kratos standing in the middle with them. Rest with his mask! Them. So, I and, and I think there were also, there was a shot of multiple people in the ring. So it's not like a winner stays on situation, like when you're playing pool at the club or the bar or something. Yeah. Um, gauntlet match. It's not, it's not a gauntlet. No, no. It it looks to me like it's a rumble, but they just don't get an entrance. They just enter, you know, you know. It's just. That's literally about a royal. Is what it it's is. It's literally a royal rumble, but they just enter from the ringside instead of from the. Yeah. And maybe they'll allow pins and submissions, so it'll be like a new Japan rumble instead. Oof. Nah, I reckon it'll be over the top. 
Oh, it'll be over the top. Um, so yeah, I don't really. That was it was fine. This show's not going to last more than two more episodes, so enjoy it whilst it's on. You're really insistent on that, aren't you? Well, they're already shunting it around the time slots. This is the PM stop stuff. Yes, because they're screening the Harry Potter films, aren't they? Yeah. So I I found this out from my other half. Um, because actually, I'm part of the problem this week. Uh, for World of Sport, as in I didn't watch it live, but I did watch the Harry Potter film live because, you know, that's what Mel so wanted. Part of that two million people bump. Yeah, yeah, I was part of that. Mm. Or, um, yeah, it's just it's, so basically, in a nutshell, ITV are showing a Harry Potter movie, Harry Potter movie, every Saturday until Halloween. Mm. Um, so this will happen for the rest of the World of Sports series is that the slot won't be when it was because mm. X Factor's got to be on at a certain time. So it's clearly not in ITV's like interest. They don't really, they're not really bothered. It's content they've bought, but it's not content they're going to like try and anchor. Well, that's the thing. That's if, it's, not- if it's cheap and cheerful for them, then that's the reason they keep it. But the problem is that it's not guaranteeing them an audience that's anywhere close to what they get from like... Japandemonium, which I assume which is, is cheap. much cheaper to make. Got to be cheaper. Or, or reruns of uh, The Chase or whatever. Or new episode. Again, The Chase would be cheap to make. Only thing that I can see keeping it going is if it's got any kind of online buzz, whether positive or negative, and my guess is because wrestling fans are very social media active, especially British fans. In fact, I've got a little theory. When do we find out about the catch-up figures? I don't know. I because don't really. maybe, because well, I mean, of, of, most of the time that's how I've been watching is either it's recorded as well, yeah. or catch up. Maybe it's got enough on catch up to justify maybe. its presence. Maybe, but I can't see its presence continuing on Saturday at five pm. I think no. if it comes back, I think it comes back on ITV two. Is is or if they are going to do it, maybe Sunday evening. Maybe. Or Sunday afternoon or something. I think it would need to be a weekend thing because you can't put it on weekdays anytime late earlier than. I mean, you could put it on after... Do they still have CITV? You could put it on immediately after an episode of CITV. Yeah, maybe Saturday morning. I mean, Saturday morning is traditionally a wrestling like time slot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but then is it is it going to be too expensive a thing to run? Because it looks like it's going to be... It's not as expensive as an X Factor, but it's definitely going to be more expensive than, like we say, a Japan pneumonium. Yeah, like it's only going to go sideways or backwards. There is no going to be not going to be any forward momentum from this season to a second yeah. season if there is one. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't. Yeah, this isn't. This hasn't been the hit that they wanted. But Love Island wasn't a hit with its first series. Bloody hell, Love Island's been around for like 10, 15 years when it was first Celebrity Love Island before it became what it is today. So, Callum so Best. Like, so yeah, maybe maybe, they, maybe they think we've got to maybe they think we've got to give this some time. I don't know. If, was Bake Off a hit before? It wasn't an immediate hit. I don't think Bake Off. Well, no, it was on BBC Two, wasn't it? No, no, but mind you, so was Peaky ones. Blinders. Peaky Blinders had to grow, mm. and, and it's only just. But, but Peaky Blinders is a different kettle of fish altogether. I think WOS is going for an audience. The ideal audience for WOS is something along a Great British Bake Off. A I know what you mean. I know what you mean in a family uh, sense, uh, but uh, I yeah, still think the point about sort of thing. I still think the point about cultivating an audience and being given time to do that. Mm. I think Peaky Blinders fits into that category. Yeah, Peaky Blinders was getting positive word of mouth from the start, pretty much. Yeah, and maybe that's what they're hoping on. Maybe that's hoping it's like, right, we're not going to really promote this, but maybe word of mouth and the wrestling hardcore 
Uh, do you think they've been a bit lazy because it's wrestling and they know that pe- wrestling fans will I think, watch? Yeah, I think that I think they've been very condescending towards what they think a wrestling show needs to be. They think if we just stick four wrestling matches on, that's a wrestling show. And it is a wrestling show, but it's not a wrestling show that will get most people interested in watching it. Because if you're just going to give pure wrestling, it has to be better wrestling than what we've been given. Or it has to be... It's not like these guys can't have fantastic matches, but they don't. They can't have them within the time slots you're giving them. Yeah. So then you've got if to lean I... on your storylines. And your storylines aren't good enough, and your wrestling isn't good enough. So you're not, you're not appealing to either the mass audience or the wrestling audience. Yeah. It's like if I, if I built four brick walls and a roof, that's a house. Doesn't mean it's a good house. Mm. But you know what I mean? Under the letter of the law, it would be a house. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's been episode eight for us. Uh, we'll come back for our gold-plated Parker fountain pen. That's right, the penultimate episode <laughs> next week. <laughs> I'd like to think you did that off the cuff, but I don't think you did. You can find us on all the Twitters, Instagrams, Facebooks, Simon under Simon Cross or Simon Cross 3. Why are you known as that, Simon? Uh, because next week's the ninth episode and three times three is nine. Three cubed. Oh, no, three, three. squared, sorry. Yeah, we're not going to get to an episode 27 for you to uh, get to that. Um, my name's Lorcan Mullen, L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Apple, N for Nonagon. That's a nine-sided shape. Way. <laughs> um, thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a good time. Until the next time, farewell, Grapple fans. Mm-hmm.